Hi everyone, Terry Welbrock here, back from my crazy couple of weeks of, uh, I had a kidney stone and had to have surgery for that and then hopped on a flight for the first time since I was 15 years old by myself and went to visit my mom for 10 days in Cincinnati to help her with uh, recovery from um, a partial hip replacement. She fell and broke her femur. Um, and so now I am back and uh, I'm still focusing on doing the Healers of Hilton Head series. That will be coming out soon. Uh, great interview today. Oh my gosh, just absolutely loved this uh, this interviewee and uh, her beautiful work, uh, shining a light of hope into the world. So enjoy, enjoy today's episode. Welcome, everybody, to the Healing Place podcast. I am your host, Terry Welbrock, and just super thrilled to have with me today, Latarsha Houghton. And hold on, I'm just going to read this to you. So she is an author, transformational life coach, and founder of Breaking the Silence, Healing the Pain. So welcome, Latarsha. Thank you. I feel so honored to be here with you today. Oh my gosh. Well, again, I'm, I'm just a fan of your work. I'm a fan of, uh, I just applaud you and kudos to you for having the courage to put your truth out there. Um, and like you had said before we hit record, you carried the weight of it for so long, the silence of it. Uh, I certainly did the same with my trauma history. And so honestly, putting that truth out there, it's just so courageous, but wow, wow, are you helping a lot of people. So thank you for that. Thank you. And thank you for you doing no. the work that you're doing. I mean, you know, so many people need this, yes. you know, and I'm just inspired by, you know, you um, interviewing people just so that it can help other people and reaching so many others. So, and this work needs to be done. So I thank you. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> well, thank you. Yeah. My heart's hugging yours. So thanks. <laughs> yeah. So I guess the first thing we can talk about would you be willing to share your story of triumph and what led you to the work you're doing? So um, it was um, back in like 2015, I was going through a lot. I was going through my divorce and as I was going, I was already in therapy when I was getting my divorce and I started praying a lot. And one day I was sitting by the window and I just heard a voice say, you need to tell your story. And I knew it was God. And when I heard this voice say, you need to tell your story, I said to myself, I'm not telling anybody that. <laughs> I said, all these years, you know, no, I don't want to deal with the whiplash from the family. I don't want to deal with um, just hurt you know, and as I was thinking about it and, and, you know, it weighed on me for about a couple of weeks and I was talking to one of my best friends and I said, you know, I said, I just, God just keep putting it in my spirit that I need to tell my story. And she had a friend with a radio show and we started doing this radio show and 10 minutes before the show ended, it just blurted out my mouth my father used to molest me oh. and I couldn't believe I said it. It just came out. And another young lady um, had asked me one time, she used to do these videos where she would go around interviewing people. It was called tell your story Tuesday. Mm -hmm. 
And it was the first time that I actually ever told my story. But, you know, as a teenager growing up, my father was molesting me for a long time and I got pregnant and I ended up having a child by my biological father. Wow. A lot of people ask me, they say, well, why would you have the baby? As a teenager, you don't know that if you have this child, your child is going to be deformed or your child is going to be have disabilities because the chromosomes are so close and you don't know that. And so the only thing I was thinking in my mind was this is my escape to get away. This is my escape to get away and I'll finally have something that loved me for the love that I was looking for from my dad. And I didn't know that trying to look for this kind of love in another human being, like this is a child. I wasn't thinking of the connection. I was just thinking that I would just have this child and everything else would go away. I wasn't thinking anything beyond that. I just wanted to feel loved. I just wanted somebody to be able to love me back. So with going through that, I experienced a lot of insecurities, needing people's approval, people pleasing. I never had a mind of my own. I was always codependent in every relationship with men that I had gotten in because I just wanted to be loved. Yeah. And I just wanted to feel some type of healing from relationships because I didn't know that I could just love myself as much as I poured into other people. I just poured into other people, but I didn't know how to pull that back into my own self. Right. Yes. I was just reading a book today and it was talking exactly about trauma. Uh, a previous podcast guest had written it and um, in how we do fall into those patterns when when we are victims of sexual abuse yeah. of the people pleasing the fawning uh and trying to find that connection outside of ourselves in such unhealthy ways um right. yeah so did did you escape were you did you get away from the abuse yes so I ended up meeting this guy that really, really liked me. And um, I started dating him. And at the time, you know, I wasn't showing or anything. And I told him that I was pregnant. And so it wasn't until um, years later, I went back to him and I, I said, we need to have a talk. And I, I had I was really getting closer to God and deep in my convictions. And I didn't want to walk around with this lie, you know, so I didn't tell anybody else, but I, I, I came to him as I became to know Christ. And I said to her, um, to him, I'm sorry. I said to him, I said, listen, I said, I need to have a conversation with you. And he said, okay. And we sat in a car and I prayed before I talked to him. And I said, I was so nervous picking my fingernails, just shaking, trembling. And I said, um, I need to tell you something about Tracy. And I said, Tracy is not your son. 
And I said, I was being molested by my dad. And he looked at me and he said, I already knew. Oh. And oh, I, got I just looked at him and the tears just flowed from my face because I honestly felt like that was God allowing his angels to wrap their wings around me to let me know that I wasn't alone and that he loved me. And I looked at him and he said, yeah, he said, me and my mom, we already kind of figured that. He said, but I never wanted to hurt you. Oh. He said, and I love my son. And he said, he's always going to be my son. And he said, I'm not changing a birth certificate. I'm not changing anything about this. He said, that is my son. And I just cried and cried and cried. And it, it allowed me to have even a deeper level of respect for him. Yes. What well, I mean, yes. what a beautiful, beautiful response. Wow. Yeah, mm-hmm. powerful. So, well, first off, and I should have said this a few minutes ago when you said all that. Wow. I mean, thank you for sharing your truth. And so powerful. Um, again, I am so sorry that you had to experience that, but the fact that you're using that darkness to shine a light of hope into people's lives is just such a powerful testimony for, of your faith and of your uh, strength and resilience. Um, yeah. So what a gift. Yes. You know, is it that the, that that pain runs so deep? You know, a lot of people don't understand. Um, you know, we we look at young girls. And when we look at young girls, the way that they may dress, you know, um, girls that may be very promiscuous and people will look at them and say, look at her. She's too fast. She's too grown. She's doing this and she's doing that. But this is where we got to push our sleeves up and get in there with these young girls to find out what's going on. You know, how can I help? We need to teach them. You know, and I feel like we have gotten so far away of helping other people. You know, we just people just sit back and I always tell people, don't judge people when you see young girls being promiscuous and acting out. They're not acting out for a reason. I don't feel like young girls and young guys acting out because this is what they want to do. When when you're young, you want to make your parents proud. What child you look at and you think wants to be bad? Right. These things are happening for a reason. Yes. But as adults, we have to look into why they're acting out the way that they're acting out. Because dealing with this type of trauma, you're going to act out. I just thank God I didn't get strung out on drugs, even though my father had me doing drugs. you know, had me snorting cocaine as a teenager because he said that this, he wanted to teach me how to be a woman. But I just thank God that I didn't get strung out and was in the streets and running around chasing drugs. But, you know, these are the type of things like you you wonder why women are prostituting. You wonder why men and women are become alcoholics or drug addiction. It's because there's some type of trauma that has not been healed. 
And I don't, I, I think that they, they go to these things because it's just a comfort. They're numbing pain. They put in a bandaid over top of a wound. And when they get triggered, they just snatch the bandaid and snatch the wound right back open. Yes. Oh, and it, it, well, if you look at adverse childhood experiences and ACEs and the study of how, when you have these um, adverse childhood experiences of uh, violence in the home or abuse, um, there's just, there's a whole list of, of things. You Then you add bullying, you add racism, you add poverty, you add all of those things on top of it all. And then as people experience more and more and more of those, their chances of everything you just talked about, of, of promiscuous sex, of, of drug and alcohol use and addiction, of uh, suicide, of physical ailments, you know, heart disease, diabetes, all of that just starts to go up exponentially. Yeah. Even my experience, you know, and I wrote my book called Breaking the Silence because I wanted people to understand how deep this trauma runs, you know, and I, it, it was a point that I made in my book where I take you back even to how parents teach their kids what goes on my house stays in my house. And so you weren't allowed to talk to people outside of the home. So who could you talk to? Right. When you are a kid, a lot of times you are being taught as a child, don't open the door, tell Jehovah Witness nobody's home. You're teaching your kids to lie already. This is building character in them. Not only are you teaching them to not be open and not have a voice, But now you're teaching them on top of that character is not to um, like the bill collectors are calling and you're picking up the phone, saying hello, tell them nobody's home. You hanging up, you know, it's just so many different ways that we got to really be careful in the way that we are raising our children. And these are the things that I talk about because these are the different characters that I learned as I was growing up. I had to, when I went to therapy, we went back down to my childhood and I I did a timeline on my life and different areas of my life. There was times at the age of eight is when I really lost my self-worth by being molested by a family member. You know, that was a, she was just as young as I am and had me doing inappropriate things to her, you know, and then her brother was, um, you know, trying to penetrate me as, as an eight-year-old. Wow. And these things, you know, so as I began to get older, I didn't know how to navigate through life because I didn't have any boundaries. My boundaries was taken away from me at a, at a very young age. So I didn't learn boundaries. Yeah. I didn't know who was a safe person. Because these were family members. Your family members are supposed to be safe people, right? Right. I didn't I didn't learn that. And so as I'm navigating through life, I keep meeting all of these unsafe people. Because at this point, this is my trauma, but now this is my norm. So I don't know anything outside of dysfunction or abuse. Mm. 
because this has become my norm. And so when you're in a situation, people on the outside are looking at me like, wow, she's staying in abusive relationships. Well, because this is my norm, this has been happening to me since I was eight years old. So why would it be anything different? Yes. My sister and I talk about that. We've, we've said we found comfort in the chaos because that's what we knew. Right. right. Yeah. It, it felt peace and calm was unsettling to us because right. that wasn't what we knew. Yeah. Right. Very powerful. So how did you end up creating, founding your, your business? So um, again, I was, when I, when I was led by God to tell my story, I was talking to a, a really good friend of mine and I said, you know, God keeps telling me to tell my story. So I told her I need to do a conference and I ended up having my first conference and I was too afraid to talk in front of anybody because I didn't have a voice. I never felt like anybody would hear me. I never felt like my voice would impact or inspire anyone. So what was the point? Nobody heard me. If I said anything, shut up, you know? So I ended up having a conference. I was still going through my healing as I was trying to be a help to others. And I ended up allowing somebody to record me. So I did a recording on telling my story and what I had experienced through my trauma. And they played the video, but I also had other speakers that came and spoke. And when I tell you it was a conference where we sold out of tickets and every news reporter was there and I just cried because of the breakthroughs. People were calling me saying, how did you do that? Can you help me? And so I ended up going to taking classes on how to speak. I started going to, um, I took a course on um, life coaching. And that is how I started doing life coaching. But I started a nonprofit called Breaking a Silence, Healing the Pain. And Breaking a Silence, Healing the Pain, I wanted it to bring awareness to domestic violence, emotional abuse, and sexual abuse, where this platform helped people to deal with trauma. Because trauma could be you losing a spouse or going through a horrible divorce or just any type of trauma. Yeah. And I have on Monday, every other Monday, I started doing a support group and people would come to the support group. So I started reaching out to different therapists, um, different life coaches, spiritual advisors, people to come on this platform to give people hope. I love it. And mm -hmm. when I give, I, I give presentations as well and speak and I call mine the story, a story of hope, because that's right. the thing that people are reaching for is, is they're just grasping for any sort of hope that they can make it through this too. And I'm, I'm glad you brought up, you know, mentioning different types of trauma, because what's traumatic to one person may not be traumatic to another. And what may seem minuscule to someone 
could be really, really traumatic, or it could be that straw that breaks the camel's back for another. They've dealt with so much trauma. I know my therapist, we were going through my trauma history and I I'd hit on all the big T's, you know, like the, like murdered and, and being raped and molested and that sort of, but I, I always downplayed the little T's as she called them. And finally I was talking about one of them and she said, you know, you probably need to do some processing work on that because it's still traumatic. It was still, but I had had all these other big things happen that I was just like, ah, you know, that one wasn't really that big of a deal. <laughs> so right. yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah. trauma, I always tell people pain is pain. Her, yeah. you know, trauma, it, it, it's not a trauma race. It's not a trauma contest. If you have had something traumatic happen in your life, then you're worthy of that hope. You're worthy of that healing. Right. Yeah. Beautiful. So can you talk to us about how you weave the faith component into it? I said, I'm a big fan of, of how you use faith uh, in your work. So um, I've been on this journey of having a relationship with God um, since I was a little girl. Um, I talk about this in my book, my mother, um, before my mother was living in Detroit, Michigan, and my father lived in Maryland and my mother sent me and allowed me to live with my dad because I had other sisters and my father was always, I want my daughter to come, you know? So I said, Oh, I want to go with my daddy. Cause I was, was a daddy's girl. I just love my daddy. And she let me come and live with my father. So I, when my, when, I, when my mom moved to Maryland, she ended up moving back to Maryland like years later, she would always take me to church. And before, when I was living with my grandmother and I was going through the abuse with my cousins, I would always steal change out of my aunt's um, change. She had this big, tall vase. It stood so high and I would dig my hand in it and I would go to the candy store and I would get candy. And then the other half, I would always put it in church. Oh. And I always knew that there was God. There was a God. I always felt protected by God for some reason. I just, I didn't understand religion or spirituality. And I really don't consider myself a religious person, but I consider myself a spiritual person. And I went to, um, so I was going to church and my mother would take me to church and I would come home from church and I would start teaching all the little kids in the neighborhood, everything my mom was teaching me. And I remember being a little girl standing there and all these little kids were sitting on the grass and they were listening. And I was telling them everything that I, I was mimicking the pastor and saying everything that I had learned. And as I got older, I got church hurt. You know, I was going to church and some things happened in the church and I was devastated. So it kind of made me shy away from church. And so I got away from focusing on church and, and started just focusing on me and God. And, um, you know, I'm a firm believer in Jesus Christ. And as I was going on this journey, just learning how to have a personal relationship with God and praying and reading my Bible, really just studying out and just hearing from God from, from myself, you know, and not 
always listening to all these different people, um, you know, pastors, you know, and it's good, you know, to because hearing a word increases your faith, but you got to go back and read it and apply it to your life. And you got to hear from God so that he can take you. Cause I feel like everybody has their own journey and their own path in life with their relationship with God. So my journey has been um, every, so when I was telling you, I heard God's voice telling me, I heard God's voice telling me that I needed to walk away from that marriage. He basically, um, I had a vision. He was showing me, he said, I painted the picture of who this person is. The picture is not going to change. He said, it's time to go because my ex-husband had three children on me by three different women while we were married. Wow. And I could not understand why I was staying. And I felt like I couldn't let go of this relationship. And that's when I told you I was already in therapy as I was going through the divorce because this became my norm. Abuse was my norm. It was comfortable. It was familiar. And I was afraid of the unknown. But God had me to step out on faith. And he's been carrying me and taking care of me every step of the way. I, I, I was so afraid. I was, how am I going to take care of myself? He's always took care of everything financially. How am I going to run a business? He's always ran the business. The business was in my name. God had me to walk away and he's been walk, taking the steps before me. I've not failed in my business. My business has been very successful. I have an assistant living business in Maryland. Um, I started off. I had, um, after my divorce, um, because I let um, two of the homes go that we had together, and I I wanted to break a loose from everything that I was tied to, so I ended up opening a new one all by myself, just me and God, and um, that became very successful, and so I ended up getting a business partner because it was a lot of work to ha- handle by myself. So I ended up getting a business partner and we opened up a second one. So I still have the one by myself, but then I have another one that I have a partner with and it's working out well. And I just continued to grow. And so from there, um, one day I was talking to a business strategist and I was telling her, you know, I want to go into the prison ministry and start helping women in a prison ministry. I said, because a lot of them have, have dealt with abuse yeah. and they keep going back to jail because this is comfort. This is the norm for them, you know? And she said, well, think about, I said, I was trying to create like a 12 step program. So I created this 12 step program. I have a workbook where you can go online and take the course. It's called just as I am. 12 Steps to Self-Love Coaching Program. And I use all biblical principle about how God talks about we are fearfully and wonderfully made and we're beautiful. And I teach men and women how to love themselves. So what helped me was I had to take a picture of myself as an eight-year-old little girl. And I put her on the front of my phone and I kept her there because I didn't know how to make the good decisions for myself. 
So I would look at the phone and look at her and tell this eight-year-old little girl, I said, hey, this decision that I'm getting ready to make, I don't feel like it's a good decision for you because I'm here to show up for you. I couldn't protect you then, but I'm here to protect you. I'm going to show up for you now and I am going to help you. We're going to do this together. And so this is actually how I learned how to fall in love with me because I had to go back and heal that little girl who needed me. Oh my gosh. There's so much there. It's so beautiful. I fell in love with her. And so now I love myself to the point where I'm not going to take anything off of anybody that I don't want to. I am going to stand up for myself. I'm going to tell you no. I'm unapologetic. You know, if I don't want to do something, I'm going to tell you, no, I'm not going to do that. And I'm the, I don't have to explain to you because no is a complete sentence. Yes. But it took me forever to get that. You know, I used to people please. I wanted to do things because I wanted to impress people because I wanted people to like me. And I just felt like I just had to show myself and I always felt like I had to prove myself to everybody where I don't do that anymore. Because looking at that little girl, I mean, man, she was the beautifulest little girl. And so that is how I see myself now. I am beautiful. I am enough. Anything I put my mind to do, I can do it. And I do it. Whatever I set and say I'm going to do, I make my vision board. I yeah. sit there and I say, okay. I'm going after this and this is what I'm going to do. And so this year, starting August the 15th, I start Bible college. And I never thought in a million years because that's never been a desire for me, but it kept dropping in my spirit. This is what I want you to do. And so I'm just totally surrendered with my life. Like God have your way. I'm surrendered. I am so happy and honored to be called his daughter. So that is my spiritual journey. I just love walking in alignment with God. I love being able to talk to people about God and what God did for me. Beautiful, beautiful, beautiful. And again, I so much there. I loved what you said about uh, you and God starting the business together. I mean, what a great business partner, right? That was fantastic because I was like, oh my gosh, I love that so much. Yes. And I have to tell you, so I, I had therapy. I, I do EMDR therapy uh, for trauma. And um, I was sitting outside after my therapy session today. And I thought I'm just going to sit outside, enjoy the sun for just a minute. And I'm not kidding when I say I, I had like little five-year-old Terry on my lap uh, and just like, like looking at her and holding her hands and being like, I've got you kiddo. Like I'm, I'm going to take care of you. I'm going to make the right choice. So we had a whole conversation. So I, so, I so love it that you had eight year old, beautiful you on your phone and, and talking to her and telling her I've, I've got your back. Like I'm going to help you with this. And, Oh, it's awesome. Terry, I want to ask you a question. Sure. So how do you like EMDR? I did that for a long time. Yeah, I, me personally, I found it life altering. I think uh, it really helped me process so many of my traumas because 
my MO was I would, I dissociated. And so I had so many horrific things happen to me. I would just kind of put them in their own little boxes. And when we went into EMDR, I finally had to just dump all those boxes into the floor and deal with all of them. Um, and it took four years of EMDR. Normally, you know, it doesn't take that long, but when, when you have really a lot of trauma, uh, complex trauma, um, but I didn't, I stopped having panic attacks and to me that was life altering. So, yeah. It was for me too. Every time my phone would ring, I would just get like this, oh. <laughs> like I was going to hear bad news. And as I was going through EMDR, it helped me to, I used to smell the fumes from my abuse. Oh. And it helped me so much. And I talk about EMDR and usually I don't hear it a lot. I don't hear EMDR a lot at all. And so when you said it, I was like, oh my gosh, I just want to know what her experience was because my experience was awesome. Oh, I'm so you glad know? to hear that. Yes. Yeah. I, well, I talk about it so often, uh, you know, on the show because, and for those who don't know, it's eye movement desensitization and reprocessing, which is a big mouthful. So EMDR <laughs> is so much easier. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, I know for me personally, it was, um, it, it just, I was going to say something that completely went out of my mind of what I was going to say, but it, it really did. It shifted everything for me. It changed. Uh, it just highlighted so much that um, I didn't understand about that stored negative energy because like you, I hadn't told anybody. I hadn't started sharing my truth. And once I started the therapy and once I started putting my truth out into the world, I was so amazed at how many people came forth and said similar to you, oh my gosh, me too. Thank, you know, thank you for sharing your story. Um, and that they were they were able to relate to what I had gone through and um and I was able to give that hope. So yeah. Yeah. Well and I have to tell you one other thing and then we can we can wrap up. But I had been given a message recently, um Holy Spirit, God, angels, whatever, however you want to say it, that uh, I was told you are both of the earth and of the light. And your your role on earth is to be a prism for that light to shine God's light of hope into the world, into the lives of, of people here. And I so see that with you. Like, I think as you were speaking, I was like, oh, she is just that beautiful prism that she's doing the same thing. She's of the earth, but also of the light and in helping to shine that light. And so, yeah, again, I just have to applaud you for, for being that light and shining it into the world. Thank you. I appreciate that. Yeah. Like I've said, you know, I really appreciate the work that you do. Um, for a long time, um, I would do interviews for people on my platform I interviewed different people that experienced trauma and how they got through the trauma, how they got to the other side. So I just wanted to give people hope that you're not alone, but I carried it. I carried their stuff, but now I'm able to listen and release it. 
because I'm with you on a journey as you're talking about it. And then I always end up on the other side of the rainbow yeah. with a person. And so that is how I had to visualize that because I am so passionate, compassionate with people that I, I carry that. I can almost come in and feel your pain. And um, I didn't talk about this, but I, I want to put it out there. Um, I ended up having a suicide attempt. And when I had the suicide attempt, it was I was carrying so many people's stuff because people will always confide in me and share some deep, dark stuff with me. But I had all of this deep, dark stuff myself that I had suppressed. So I was always attracted to people and people were attracted to me where they felt like they could come and just talk to me and vent, but I carried it. But now once I was able to heal and one of my girlfriends used to always say, Latarsha, just get to the other side of the rainbow. And I'd be like, what are you talking about? I don't see a rainbow and a rainbow can be right in front of my face. But I couldn't see it because I was in such a dark place. Right. But now I always see me and that person making it to the other side of the rainbow. And that's why I like to hear the stories of people going through it, even if you, you, you're you not completely healed, but you're putting in the work to be healed. You're not wallowing in it and staying the victim. You know, I call it, you get to a place where you you can't heal what you don't identify. So once you're able to identify it, then you can start the healing journey. Once you start your healing journey, you become victorious and not the victim anymore. But once you get to the be victorious, then you still on a healing journey, even as you are victorious, but then you start thriving. Yes. And once you get to the thriving place is where you're really healed, you're thriving. And this is when you can start helping other people. But a lot of times we as people want to start trying to heal people while we're still sick. We're still broken. And we can't, the blind can't lead the blind. Right. Have to get healing first. Because we're pouring from an empty cup ourselves. And I would be pouring from these empty cups. And I was just the blind leading the blind. I had no healing myself, but I was always trying to help and fix everybody else because it's much easier. And I tell people all the time, I say, take your finger and do this with me. I said, point your finger this way and just do like this. This feels so good. (laughs) You need to fix yourself. You need to fix yourself. You need to fix yourself. But when you turn your finger around, and you point back at yourself, it's a pull there. And it takes a lot of energy to point the finger back at yourself and say, heal you first. Heal you first. So I love the fact that you said, you know, I'm still in therapy. I'm I'm still healing. I'm, I'm, re, I'm pro- reprocessing, you know, and it is just, it's such a good feeling when you're in this healing space. And you still, you are being victorious and you're being able to help other people. And then all of a sudden you look back and you say, wow, look how far I come. 
And I'm not talking about long distance. I'm talking about from yesterday. Yeah. Every day you get better and better. So I like to give myself a pat on the back daily because the day was a lot better response than it was for yesterday. We have to take those one day at a time. People take these long leaps and these long jumps. Well, we just have to take one day at a time. Yes. Oh my gosh. Well, I'm so excited you're in Bible college because you <laughs> you are amazing at like you have me motivated and ready. Uh, to, <laughs> I, I love it. And and it's funny because like when I do walk past a mirror, like if I see a mirror, I'm always like, "You're having a good day, kid. I love you, kid." Like I'm always giving myself that pep talk that <laughs> I'm doing it. So I love it. I get that from Joyce Myers. Whenever I'm in a car and I start hearing um, those dark voices that say, "You're you're not you're not enough." You know, you don't, you're not smart enough. You're never going to be able to do that or you can't do this. And in my Joyce Myers voice, she said, play mental gymnastics in your mind and say, shut up. <laughs> <laughs> I am smart enough. I can do it. I will do it. I'm going to do it. And, you know, she just, she, I love Joyce Myers, but, you know, she just always said, you got to play mental gymnastics in your mind when you start hearing those voices. And yeah. when you stopped and said, you looked in the mirror, it just made me think about how she always taught that her book um, is called um, The Battlefield of the Mind. That is such a good book. Yeah. I'm surprised that it hasn't come across my radar yet. I'll have to. Have you I'll heard have of safe put... people? Had heard of what? Safe People by Dr. Henry Cloud. Ah, no. So I'm, I'll have to put both of those on my on my reading list. Safe People and Boundaries. Okay. Have you ever read Boundaries? No. Oh, my it gosh. Changed, it changed my life. It changed my life. Safe People, Boundaries, The Battlefield of the Mind, um, The Body Keeps the Score. The Body Keeps the Score, yes. yes. That was one okay. of my first ones that I was like, Oh my gosh. Now yes. somebody is getting it. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Yeah. So the body keeps the score. Safe people and boundaries changed my life. Oh, by Dr. Henry Cloud and John Towson. Awesome. I have four credits on my Audible. So guess what? I'm going to go download. <laughs> mm -hmm. Yes. Boundaries will definitely change your life. I did not understand boundaries. I didn't. Even when I was reading safe people, I didn't even realize that I was not always a safe person. So it teaches you about what safe people, the traits of a safe people. When you have friends and relationships with friends and, you know, it, it teaches you like when you're not being a safe person to them and when they are not safe people. But you've been in this relationship with like one of your girlfriends for so long and you're reading this and you're like, oh. She's not a safe person. Right. That's why I feel the way that I feel. Oh, my goodness. She's so controlling. She wants to be bossy all the time. And I feel like she's the parent and I'm the child. He talks about these things. And it's so life changing. Please, if you don't invest in anything else, invest all right. in people. Sold. sold. Yeah. I love it. And, and again, oh my gosh, like soul sister connection here, because I was again talking today to somebody and we were talking about narcissism and I was talking about, you know, this friendship that I had had. And it was that same thing, like that aha moment of, 
oh, this does not feel right on an energy level. Like there's something uh, about this particular person that was incredibly controlling, domineering, bossy. And I, and the more I tried to pull away, the tighter the grip got, right? And, and I was trying so hard, but I didn't understand boundaries at the time. Um, so yeah, wow, very powerful stuff. When you read safe people, I had a friend for over 20 years, and as I was reading that, it became clear and clear that I needed to trust myself when I feel those things. Yeah. And so when you feel those things, trust yourself. Yourself loves you. <laughs> right. Yes. Well, and I already yeah. promised little five-year-old Terry today. I got yes. you, kid. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes. Right. So you feel oh that, you know that something is off. Yes. Something is well. off. And, and when I broke that relationship off with her, I felt like I was divorcing a woman. <laughs> <laughs> it felt so weird because I had to tell her, I said, going into 2020, I don't want to be business partners anymore. Um, you know, I brought things to your attention that I just felt like has not changed. And so we're going to part ways. And as I was going through it, it was almost like a divorce feeling, you know, but we had been friends for like 20 years. Yeah. And I mean, I love her dearly, you know, I mean, we watched our kids grow up and stuff like that, but it was just something, it was like a codependency in that relationship that yeah. needed to come to an end so that I can get healthy. Yeah. Well, good that. for you. And again, I, I applaud you for having the, the courage and the love of yourself to, yes. to give you yourself that self-care. So yeah, beautiful. Oh my gosh. Well, we could sit here and talk for another three hours because <laughs> wow. Uh, so how do, how do folks connect with you? How do they find you? Okay. So I have a website, www.latarshahawton.com. Um, that is under my Houghton's love. Um, my Instagram handle is at Houghton's and that's without an apostrophe S that's H A U G H T O N S love L O V E. I also have another Instagram handle called BTS underscore healing the pain. And they, you can find so much information there. And I'm having a huge conference in Tampa, Florida this year, November the 19th. The name of my conference is called It's Your Time to Shine. The theme is Release the Baggage. And my keynote speaker, I don't know if you know who she is, but her name is Real Talk Kim from out of Atlanta. She travels all around the world speaking and encouraging, inspiring, and just, she's such a spiritual being, and she is going to be the keynote speaker. A lot of people know who Real Talk Kim is, because she has a huge following, and we are so excited to have her. I have men speakers as well. Um, one, he's a dating coach. He um, gives a great word on relationships, and how to keep relationships. I have another person speaking um, just on um, giving people hope 
because she didn't have hope and she had to release the baggage of unforgiveness. She had to release the baggage of feeling hopeless. And it's it's just going to be so life-changing. And if you're in the Tampa area, we'll love to have you. And again, it's on Eventbrite. It's called It's Your Time to Shine. And like I said, the theme is release the baggage. Oh and I'm so excited. It's going to be nine to five. So we have so many things. We have a, a performer. Her name is Jennifer Real. She's going to be performing. It's going to be phenomenal. Oh, I my God. I'm so excited for you. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. yeah, that's really cool. Congrats. Yes. Thank you. Wonderful. Thank wonderful. You. Awesome. Well, it's just been such a delight to have you here. I've, I've learned a lot myself and uh, thank you for the work you're doing to shine that light of hope and uh, being here with me today. Thank you. Thank you most so much. I feel so honored. Awesome. All right. Well, everyone, thanks for joining us today on the Healing Place podcast. And remember until next time, be gentle with yourself. Thanks. Bye-bye. Thank you. Hey, everybody, Terry Welbrock again. Just wanted to thank you for listening to the episode today and remind you to visit my website as well as the academy.terrywellbrock.com for the courses. But if you go to my website, terrywellbrock.com, you can sign up for my monthly Hope for Healing newsletter, which is also jam-packed with information and strategies and blog pieces and guest blog pieces and links to shows um, and just a great space for, uh, again, healing and hope. Thanks for, again, being here and being a part of this healing space. I very much appreciate you. All right. Bye-bye.